See, the Lord shelters us and then gives us strength to deal with situations, circumstances, people, and such like. How in the world could you have dealt with your family if it wasn't for God's protection? If it weren't for God's strength, how could you deal with the people on your job or in your school if God did not protect you? He is a supernatural protection. And just because you don't see the threat doesn't mean there's not one somewhere around, lurking around the corner. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. Christ-minded ministers help others to move forward. When I think of the word help, it says that I'm helping someone or I am in the process of helping someone. Help is a word that you put is an action word. Either you're helping or you're not helping. And help can be defined as the ability to make it easier for someone to do something by offering my services or resources. Help is synonymous with words like aiding and supporting and encouraging. And as a Christ-minded believer, my heart should be strive to be a person who helps others because that's who Christ is. He was a person who helped and still is a person who helps others. And as a mature minister, my daily action should be to seek ways to aid, assist, support, and encourage others either directly or indirectly. And see, maturity says this. I have have been taught the word of God. I I am putting this word into action based on what is written and revealed. And if I'm mature, I'm going to teach and learn and grow in the area of uh, area of help help and I'm not going to make excuses like I only help when it's convenient I will support them because I like that person or one of, another situation they would say is I will assist them because I'm related to that person but a mature Christian is going to say this I'm going to help them based on God's written and revealed word and I'm, as long as I am guided by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to be my guide whether or not I help you or not. It's not based on what I'm a friend of yours, or I support you, or you're kin to me. I'm doing it because this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. See, Jesus is a helper. He's a helper. He's a helper, and if I'm going to think, talk, and act like him, I need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in me to grow ways to help others, not only in the church, but beyond the church. And that's why we have scriptures like Psalms 46 and verse 1. Let's go to Psalms 46 and verse 1. Psalms 46 and verse 1. I know it's a familiar passage of scripture, but one we definitely need to grab a hold of. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So we see, first of all, that the writer tells us who God is. He is our refuge. He is a shelter. He shelters us from all types of things. And said, so let me say this to you. He's sheltering us right now, right now. You are in the midst of God's shelter. We say, Pastor Dobbs, what does he shelter me from? If he did not shelter you, you would be in a worse state and dealing with things that you have no idea that's out there because he is your shelter. He shelters us. Not only is he a shelter, he is a strength. He's might. He gives you might. He gives you strength in order to do certain things to fulfill his will. See, a shelter is a place of protection. It's a safe place. And we understand that the gift of salvation comes with deliverance, protection, and prosperity. So we make the choice to receive salvation. We receive many benefits and blessings. But we're talking about the day we're receiving refuge, a place for refuge, a shelter, a place of protection, not only protecting us physically, but mentally as well. I think about this. If God did not protect us, many of us would be dealing with things that 
Woo, we could not handle on our own. Mm, mm, mm. We see him as our refuge, but he is also our strength. Strength has to do with power, might, and endurance. See, the Lord shelters us and then gives us strength to deal with situations, circumstances, people, and such like. How in the world could you have dealt with your family if it wasn't for God's protection? If it weren't for God's strength, how could you deal with the people on your job or in your school if God did not protect you? He is a supernatural protection. And just because you don't see the threat doesn't mean there's not one somewhere lurking around the corner. You ought to know that. Just because you don't see the threat doesn't mean there's not a threat. So the second part of Psalms 46 and 1 is this. He is a very present help in trouble. That means he assists us and he makes it easier when trouble comes along the way. And I thought about this. I know how hard, how difficult it can be sometimes in dealing with trouble. So I can imagine if God took his hand off and let me deal with the trouble all by myself. That would be a horrible place to be in. I want to be in the position where God helps me. I want God to help me as much as he wants to help me. In fact, I, I, I need his help sometimes a little bit more than what he gives me. I appreciate the fact that it helps me. Don't get me wrong. But I know that God is helping me deal with life situations. Mm, I appreciate. How many appreciate God helping you? Ooh-wee. Hallelujah. And God will send us assistance to help us navigate through problems at work, at church, at home, at school, and such like. Not only does he help us directly, he puts people in our life to influence and encourage us in ways that the Lord directs them. See, he will also send us wisdom through others to show us how to prevent us, uh, to, how, to de- how to prevent us and stop us from dealing with things in our own way of doing things. He says, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. So when we acknowledge him, he shows us how to deal with life. He shows us how to budget our money. He shows us how to take care of our body. He shows us how to pray. He shows us how to give. He shows us how to witness. He is a present help. So that means God is helping me right now by giving me his word. I mean, he is actually performing his word right now. He's performing his word right now. That means he's helping me, and he's also giving me strength right now. Somebody say right now. Well, I'm telling you, he's doing it right now. And he also is helping us to think, to talk, and to conduct our life in a manner that is pleasing to him. The question is, will we accept the help or continue to do it our way and not his way? Will we accept the help? Because he provides the help. Help is in the sanctuary right now. But the question is, will you receive the help that is available to you right now? And as a minister, we understand that God will use us to bring assistance. And some people will accept the help and some will choose to reject the help. And don't be mad because they rejected Jesus' help too. So you know they're going to reject your help probably sooner or later. But the ones that receive it, We have to operate in grace because God is a present help in trouble. He's going to fulfill, and he is, he is fulfilling that promise right now, right now. He right now. Somebody say right now. He's fulfilling that promise right now. He's helping us right now. You know he's helping you right now. He's helping me right now. That person sitting beside you, he's helping you right now. He is helping us right now. He's willing and ready to help us overcome trouble that we encounter, whether mentally or physically or spiritually. He is helping us right now. And God will strengthen us whenever we need help. He will place his super on our natural and give us physical strength to accomplish his will here on the earth. See, you can understand something. I thought about this. He not only helps you uh, physically, and mentally, but he helps you in every area of your life. And sometimes he'll give you strength. I'm telling you, God will give you uh, muscles that you never thought you had before. And he'll give you, he'll, you'll start doing stuff and thinking in certain ways. 
You think about Samson. Samson got muscles at a time that he needed when he needed it. Samson, I mean, he did some stuff at the end of his life that he had never done before. And, and let me say this to you. God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will give you strength. Some of us have, have had projects and things that we wanted to do, and God gave you strength in order to accomplish it. I believe that when it comes to God's church, that he has and will continue to raise up people, especially ministers, to help people in need. God's help may come in different forms and different people, but his help is designed to be to bring relief, assistance, and to be a benefit to the people. So when it comes to our topic today, Christ-minded ministers help others to move forward. Jesus is our greatest example of being a helper. He is our greatest example of being a helper. We, can, we also can look at scriptures like Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 and verse 28. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 and verse 28. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 and verse 28. The Bible says this, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. So he says, do not, do not withhold, do not withhold. Don't hold back or deny good from those when it is due. That's an important point. When it's due, we're supposed to give it to them. Who, who determines the due date? God himself. He says, it's due. I want you to help. Person A or person B, that's when it do. And, and so when we understand that, we're mature. We're growing up. We're learning how to do things the way God wants it done. See, to be more Christ-minded, I must be willing to grow and to develop and increase in my desire to help others. I need, I need a desire to want to help others. I want a desire to help others, but I got to learn how to do it. I don't think nobody comes in doing it the right way. I believe you have to learn how to properly help others. So let's go to, again, Proverbs 3 and 27. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in the power or strength or might of your hand to do so. Something's in your hand to help somebody. Something's in your hand to help somebody. Now, if I'm immature, if I'm, if I'm petty, if I'm in my feeling, this verse might challenge me. Why? Because some of us used to holding back our gifts, we'll hold back our talents, we'll hold back our seed, we'll hold back our service. And who knows what the reason is? We just hold it back. And it could be legitimate reason. Could have been legitimate. But still is, when God tells you to do something, we have to follow his commands. We know that we have what is needed to help somebody move forward, whether it's an auxiliary to move forward, a company to move forward, a business to move forward, or someone in school to move forward. It's, we have to make a choice. Am I going to help that person to advance, to progress to the next level? Then goes on to say in Proverbs 3 and 28, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back. And tomorrow I will give it or grant it to you or release it to you. And when you have it with you, it's time to do it. And I've been guilty of this. Hey, I got you tomorrow, brother. I really got you tomorrow. And before tomorrow I got here, I already spent on something else. Thank you all for the five amen. I know I'm the only honest one in here. Sometimes you can be in a position to do good and God will tell you to do good. It's up to, you need to do it right then. Why? Because you're following his commands. And let me say this to you. God will bless you for doing what is right. And understand who your neighbors are. Your neighbors are those who are, those of us that uh, we encounter directly as well as indirectly. He instructs us not to say certain things to certain people. So as he is teaching us a lesson in relationship to how we meet a person's need, got, we need to be guided again by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. 
Don't complicate a situation by having people go back and forth to get help when you have what is needed to take care of that need as the Lord directs. And he wants you to do it right then. I want you to buy them lunch right now. Boom, there it is. I want you to pay for this right now. Do it this. I need for you to text them. And know how some of us are. i do it later. You ever had that i do it later and then three days later, you ain't did it later yet? I was thinking about something the other day. I'm like, Lord, I'm supposed to do something the other day, and I forgot to do it. And then, listen, I said, I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. <laughs> you know, have, tomorrow morning something happened, and here it is. I ain't did it yet. <laughs> so I had to repent and get that thing right. So, you know, hey, you need to do it when it needs to be done. And see, mature mentors understand that Jesus is the greatest help, and they understand that he is the helper, and he's going to assist us in helping people the way he wants it done. And do that, we're going to establish a better relationship with that individual. We also understand that when we ask God for help, it provides an avenue for him to get involved. See, we realize that Jesus is required if we're going to get a divine solution to any problem that we bring before him. He, but we need for God to get involved. See, Jesus tells us this, I'm, a, I'm, I'm your help, I'm your refuge, and I'm your strength when trouble comes. But we need to ask him to get involved. See, the Holy Spirit will help us to manifest uh, God's protection and give us power, wisdom, and ability to deal with whatever we're dealing with when we ask him to get involved. Lord, I want you to get involved. See, when you ask God to get involved, that gives God permission to do certain things. We say, does God need permission? Yeah, that's where he, he set this up. I didn't set this up. This is where he set it up. So he says, if you want some, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. But you want God to get involved, you ask him, ask him to help. Now, when God get involved, he knows how to get involved. And, and, you know, and I appreciate when God get involved because he does it a whole lot better than I do. Listen, you want me to get involved, I want to know, did you ask God to get involved first? Listen, I know you, you say, I think I may have wisdom in certain areas, but I want to know that you ask God to get involved first. Because he releases wisdom to the person that's helping you when you ask him to get involved. So if I'm going to be a present help, I need God to get involved. So in turn, you ask me something, he releases wisdom for the situation. And we need wisdom to give you what the answers that's going to be a help. And God will use people in so many different ways, whether it's, it's spending quality one-on-one -on -one time with a person, prepping or providing a meal for someone, visiting with someone, praying for someone, sowing into their life. But you want God to be involved in whatever you do. You want God to be involved. You want him to lead and guide you into all truth. You want him to be the source of your help. You want him to be the source. You want him to be the source of your help but he will use willing vessels as he sees fit. I've experienced his help, and I'm personally uh, experiencing his help right now. I'm experiencing his help right now. When I talk about he's a present help, he's helping me right now. As I talk to you right now, he's helping me right now. Because it's interesting because I have a lot to say, but I need to say the right things because somebody needs to hear something that's going to help them. Ooh, help me, Lord, to say the right thing. Now, the problem some people have is people like to give what they want to get instead of giving what the Lord tells them to give. See, just because you, you think this will help don't mean it's going to help the way you think it ought to help. Because some people have different tastes, different way of thinking, and so forth. So I can't give you what I think will help you. I have to say, Lord, what is it that will help person A? What is it that will hurt, help person B? I need to give that person that. Listen, I may, my favorite scripture may be Psalms 23, but that's not the scripture that God wants me to give you. He may tell me to give you Psalms 46 and 1. He is a present help in the time of need. See, this is what we need to know and understand. What is it, God, that you want me to give to your people? Now, someone could call or stop by and minister the word that helped me or mentally overcome idea, uh, excuse me, situations I'm dealing with, but I need that word that comes from God. And at times, 
His help may be a financial seed. At times, his, may, his word may be an encouraging text. At times, it may be an encouraging phone call. Sometimes, just to hear somebody on the phone. Oh, my God. Now, some people, they like a text. I want a text. Some people, uh, they like to talk. Some people, like, they'll send a picture or a video. Whatever your thing is that God uses you to help someone, we do it that way. We do it that way. Now, God's help will empower, it will give us authority, and it will equip us. It will supply the necessary tools for a particular purpose. And in this particular case, it's going to help us to move forward if we receive it. If we receive it. See, the Lord knows the purpose and plans for our lives. He knows what we need and when we need it to cause us to advance, to progress, and to be productive. See, God's help will prepare us and help us to be productive because it's important that we seek and accept God's help because he wants us to move forward, as Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. The Bible says this, brother, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me. I got to forget them. I, I, I can't care for them. I got to neglect those things which are behind. I know they happen, but I got to forget it. I got to forget it. Yeah, I know I did it, but I got to forget it. You know, Paul said, you know, when Paul made that statement, I wronged no man. Well, that's a powerful statement, ain't it? Y'all know Paul was hurting for Christians, don't you? I mean, Paul was literally killing Christians. And, and, and the Bible says, I got to forget those things behind me. I know I did people wrong, but I got to forget those things behind me. I know I messed up, but I, I got to forget those things behind me. I got to forget those things which are behind me. And this is what I got to do. In order to forget, I got to reach. I got to stretch out. I got to go beyond my natural limits. Which way am I reaching? I'm reaching forward. I, I, yeah, I know I did that there, but I got to reach forward. I got to reach forward. I've got to press my way forward. I've got to stretch my way forward. I've got to go beyond my natural limits. I've got to go forward because there's something ahead of me. There's something ahead of me. Verse 14 says this, I press toward the goal for the prize. I've got to go after that prize. I can't be like Lot's wife and keep looking back. I've got to press forward. I've got to press forward. I got to seek after. I got to pursue toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I God got something better ahead of me. I got to press forward. See, when you know God got something better, you're going to keep on pressing forward going to keep on pressing forward that's for therefore god continues to reveal his word to you he's helping you to see why you're pressing forward he says why you putting that behind you why you, why you're thinking better why you're talking better why you're acting better why because you're pressing forward i gotta go forward tell somebody i got to go forward there's a reason i gotta go forward there's a prize there's a prize there's an award given to the victor for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, when Paul gave his testimony, he had to forget the things which were behind him. And Paul, I'm telling you something, Paul had some stuff he had to forget too. Can you think about it? He was in prison. He had to forget that. People treated him wrong. He had to forget that. People tried to kill him. He had to forget that. When people did, listen, he was trying to help the church and they did him wrong. He had to forget it. Well, sometimes people do you wrong, boy. It, you got to, whoo, mm. you, you try, whoo, Lord, mm. they owe you some money, whoo, mm, mm. And Lord say, I got it. What do you mean you got it, God? I need, I need my money. No, I got this. Yeah, you'll probably have a conversation like that. Let me just say this way y'all said it. Did, uh, do not hold that debt no longer to them. Well, God, you, uh, 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 no. I got you. Okay, God. 
You got to press forward. Press forward. We gave his testimony. Forget those things which were behind. When Paul gave it, he said, I got to reach and press beyond the natural limits to what God has ahead of him. Paul let us know even though he was reaching, he had to remain focused on the big picture, the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. Boy, God got a higher calling for us. He got something that's going to be uh, better and beneficial to us. But we got to keep pressing forward. The enemy ain't going to try to get you to look back, though. But you got to keep on pressing forward. Keep on pressing forward. He had to discipline himself to press when things were easy and press when things got difficult and, and people got difficult. See, it takes real effort to continue to move forward. I'm going to say that again. It takes real effort to continue to move forward because your past is real. Your past is real. And it, your past can do a number on you if you ain't careful. Therefore, you have to learn how to press forward. It takes Holy Ghost power and lots of personal effort to forget things and let people go, especially if they hurt you after you helped them so many times before. Boy, you'll help them time and time again, and God say, let it go. Woo, help me, Lord, to be a better Christian. The higher calling is bigger than us, and our past is bigger than our current situation. Ministers are helpers. You see, I believe that two of our main purpose of ministers in this ministry is this. Our main purpose for the minister's ministry is this, to be skilled at carrying out the service of God within the church and beyond the church, as we talked about earlier. To be an effective witness of Jesus Christ by introducing Jesus and by leading others to a close relationship with him according to the written and revealed word. I'm helping people get closer to Jesus, but it takes work. It takes sacrifice. It takes, it takes help. It takes doing, getting out of your schedule and getting in somebody else's schedule. Woo. And as we master these two heirs, we'll operate in the matter that God will be pleased with. Will we be flawless? No. Will we miss tomorrow from time to time? Probably so. Will we grow in our roles as ministers and understanding our roles and responsibilities as ministers? We should. But we must know our main purpose. As ministers here at OCC, it's to help me as the pastor, just like Joshua helped Moses. See, we serve a God who's all-knowing, understand that I need assistance to help me fulfill my role as God's shepherd here in the ministry. In fact, let's go to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. I want to show you an example of somebody who went for God told him to go for it. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 reads as follows. After the death of Moses the, Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. He, he gave him a command. This was not Joshua's command. This was the Lord's command. And notice how he described how the Lord, how the text describes Joshua. Joshua, the son of Nun, he was Moses' assistant or Moses' minister, as one version says. He was his minister. And the Lord spoke to Joshua. And now Joshua's name means Jehovah is salvation. He gave Joshua an example of a servant in Moses as well as a specific instruction to carry out. What was that instruction? We see this in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Woo, my God. Now, Moses was a servant. He was a bond servant. He was a worshiper of God. But he was dead. And now, now, notice the instruction that the Lord gave to Joshua. Now, therefore, arise and go over. March over or bring over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am given to them, the children of Israel. So they had to move forward. Moses was dead. Moses was going to be in heaven now. He, was, uh, he had been transferred from the earth up into glory. But now the children of Israel still had to do something. What did God tell them to do? To continue to move forward. To go toward the promises of God. Joshua, who was Moses' minister, 
no doubt helped him with his ministry along the way since God charged him faithful to move the children of Israel forward after Moses' death. See, a mature minister must be able to hear, understand, and carry out instructions that will cause us to advance and to pro- be progressive, knowing Jesus is our Savior, but also getting established in his written and revealed word. See, immature minister may stumble at this because they might be in their feelings wondering why God told, told Joshua to do it and not anyone else. Backward thinking that will hinder folks from being helped by the ultimate helper, which is the Lord himself. See, the children of Israel needed a trained leader who would help them with moving forward to the promised land. They needed Joshua to be able to pick up where Moses had left off. And as ministers, we could pick up where the pastors left off and move God's people forward. See, can we be trusted to do our part and work with other ministers and leaders to do our part so that God's people can experience the assistance and relief that they need? See, Joshua's assignment was to help the children of Israel move forward to the promised land after Moses had died. And see, no doubt, Joshua had worked closely with Moses in ministering to the children of Israel. So he had learned some of the necessary leadership skills that would shape his ministry. Even though Moses and Joshua were, had this, a similar assignment. They were two different leaders. But one thing about it, they still had the assignment to move God's people forward. I, 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 when you study the life of Moses and study the life of Joshua, they were unique leaders, different in their own mindset. But you know one thing about it? They were moving God's people forward. They were moving them toward the promises of God. They were great leaders, but they were different, but they still had the same goal, same promises, and so forth. Now, the more I grow in God's word, the more of his nature will develop in me, and I can have the nature, and I can advance what God wants me to advance. Hallelujah. Now, I want to go back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church about their need to grow up and to accomplish the will of God. We're going to start at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to work our way down to verse uh, 8 in these last few minutes that I have here. And our brethren, now I want you, to, first of all, let me say this to you. Paul, uh, Paul, in this particular case, did not work alone at the church at Corinth. He had a helper or a partner there named Apollos. Now, remember now, he had been at the church, and he had been working at the church, and Paul had been called away for a a certain reason, and now he's writing a letter back to the church to help them in their particular need at the time. So we see here in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, I'm reading this part of the letter. Remember, this is uh, the first letter that he wrote back to the church, and there's also a second Corinth. There's a second letter he wrote back to the church at Corinth. This first letter in this particular section where he's dealing with something, I want you to notice what he's dealing with. And our brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So he calls them brethren. He deals with the brethren. He calls them fellow believers in Christ. So this letter is not written to the world. It's written to believers in this particular church. He says, I could not speak to you. I could not share my thoughts with you as to spiritual people. He said, you're not spiritual, not possessing the nature of God, and you're not governed by the Holy Spirit. But he says this, but as carnal, governed by human nature and not the spirit of God, as to base those who are childish, untaught, and unskilled in Christ. He says, there's a problem here, a problem here, a problem here. Let's go on to verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. 
For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are not, excuse me, you are still not able. So while Paul was there ministering before he left, he says this, I fed you, I saturated your mind with milk. Milk is the less difficult Christian truths. And he says, not with solid food, that firm and stable doctrine, something that's going to keep you, as we say back in the day, some food that stick to your ribs, praise God. But I fed you with milk. He said, I fed you with milk. I saturated your mind, gave you instructions on topics that were not as difficult. And then in the latter part of this verse, it says this, for until now, you were not able to receive it, and even now, you are still not able. So can you imagine he's giving them what he considers elementary teaching. And he says, you, you got a hard time receiving it. Got a hard time receiving it. Let's go to verse 3. So let's see what he says in this particular reason. For you are still carnal. For there are envy, strife, and the vengeance among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? He says, are you still not carnal? Or still means you're continually to be carnal. Carnal means you're governed by human nature and not by the Spirit of God. And one lesson you learn there in this text is what makes them carnal? What makes them carnal? And when you look at that, ask yourself the question, am I acting like this? Because I don't want to be carnal. Because he, this church had a problem receiving the teaching that Paul was giving unto them. And when you can't receive the teaching that, that God gives you, you can't grow up. You can't mature in the things of God. How did they know that they were carnal? For there are envy, jealousy among you. People will be in jealousy, operating in jealousy. There's strife. Strife is anger and bitter disagreement. Notice, they had time to get rid of the strife but they chose to keep it in the church. That's right. There was also divisions, disagreements that lead to discord. He said, strife, envy, and divisions is among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? You're conducting your life like, like mere men. Now, you see how Paul is talking to this church. Very stern, very direct. He wants them to understand we need to do something. We need to make a change here. We need to find a way to correct this particular behavior because this behavior is not conducive to Christian growth. And it goes on to verse 4 here. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal. One says, I'm a, I am of Paul, and another, I am of, of Apollos. Are you not carnal, prone to the dictates of the flesh? You know, one lesson we should learn from this particular verse is this. Hey, we need to be like Jesus. We need to be like Jesus. Yeah, I see what my pastor is doing. I see what other leaders are doing, but my goal should be to be like Jesus. Because men mess up. Men do things and it's not quite the way you think it ought to be done. But you can't really argue with Jesus, though. See, I know when people are looking at me too much, you're going to see flaws. When you see, look at men too much, you're going to see flaws. But when you look at Jesus, you don't see any flaws. You don't see anything that's, that's, that's lacking. You don't see anything. See, God can do all things say fail. He is our perfect example. And if you need help, you need to go to the Lord. But this, this particular church kept looking at Paul and Apollos. Looking at Paul and Apollos. And I, I, one lesson I'm learning from this, if I'm going to be an individual who's, who's going to uh, grow up and mature and get the help I need, I need to look to Jesus. I need to look to Jesus. Because he is a present help when trouble arises. See, Paul and Apollos, they couldn't be there 24 hours a day and seven days a week. But one thing I do know, 
Jesus can be with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And what is my job as a minister? Get you to Jesus. To get you to the help. Listen, I, I help you. I pray for you. But I want you to get to Jesus. Because he can help you. And he knows exactly what each person in this sanctuary needs a lot better than I do. He knows what you need to hear. He knows what you need to say. He knows, listen, he knows if you need $22.42 in the next 45 seconds. He knows exactly what you need. He also knows what you need on Monday, what you need on Tuesday, what you need on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He knows exactly what you need. And, and, and I see Paul telling this church, hey, don't look to us. Don't look to us. I need you to keep your eyes on Jesus. And I like what he says in verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers. They are ministers whom you believe. You believe in what we told you. You believe what we said. And, this is, and it counted to you for righteousness sake. Paul, who wrote 14 of the Pauline epistles. Apollos, he was a, a Jew who was converted over to Christianity, and he became a mighty teacher of the scriptures. And he says this, we are ministers. We're ministers. We execute, execute, execute the commands of God. We are attendants, and we are servants. We're servants. And I like that about Paul. Paul said, you, you know one thing he's saying here? Hey, don't put me in a place I'm not supposed to be in. I'm a minister. I, uh, see, one lesson I learned, about, um, I, I learned about ministry coming up and growing up in ministry is this. Don't worry about being ordained as a minister. Do the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? Telling others about Jesus. Being a present help. Listen, God, you want to use me to help somebody? I ain't got to be Mr. So-and-so to help somebody. I don't have to be so, I don't have to have a title to help somebody. This minister here is someone who is a, God is using them to help somebody. God is using them to help somebody. Hallelujah. Let's go into verse 6. And he says this, notice the role, he calls, he, he says, I'm a minister, but notice the role he gives himself in verse 6. He says this, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Woo-wee. He says, I planted, I set the place so the word of God can grow and establish. Apollos, he watered, he saturated the person's mind and inspired them in the word of God. But it was God that gave the increase. It's God who calls us to grow and become greater. You do your part. Notice Paul and Apollos had two different roles, but they were similar. Two different roles. Moses and Joshua had, they were different, but they had similar ministries. Listen, everyone in the sanctuary, every minister I know, you're different but there's a role and responsibility that you have. Just like Paul did, just like Apollos did, just like Pastor Dobbs does, and just like every minister, every believer in this sanctuary, we all got different roles to play, different roles to play. But you know what? When we do our role, guess who's going to step in? Oh, my God. Guess who get ready to step in? When you do your part, you do your part. When Paul did his part, when Apollos did his part, God stepping in and says, I'm getting ready to give y'all some increase. Listen, when I, when minister, minister so-and-so do their part, minister so-and-so do their part, Pastor Dobbs do his part, God going to step in and give the what? Increase. How many of y'all love increase? Are you saying you love God? Because who's giving the increase? It's God himself. It's God himself. He don't want to give it. In fact, Paul was so adamant about that, he goes on in verse 7, so then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Ooh-wee. He said, you can get it the first time, let me tell you again. He's just emphasizing the fact that, listen, it's God that gives you the increase. 
It's God that calls you to grow. It's God that calls you to be, amen, to be prosperous. It's God that calls you to think, talk, and act better. It's God that calls you, amen, to grow up spiritually. It's God that does it. And what's my job? My job as a minister is to help you to get to God. Because I want you to grow. I want you to be all God called for you to be. But you know what? Who am I? That's what Paul was telling this church. Y'all looking too much to me for your increase. I need for you to look to God to increase you. I'm looking for you to look good to God to increase you. You want a better life? He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You want something better? He, he, he just doing exceedingly, abundantly above anything you ask according to the power that worketh in us. You want life? You want things to work out? All things are working together for my good because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. Where does that come from? It comes from God. Because he knows exactly what you need in order to increase. All I can do is plant. One can water. But it's God that gives the increase. That's what we're looking for. And see, a mature minister is going to help people get to God. Hey, I'm not God. I'm going to help you get to God. I'm going to help you get to God. I'm closing, but I'm going to give you just another example I thought about. Uh, Paul, that shipwreck on this island, and he was by the fire, and he was warming himself. And out at that fire, a snake came and bit him. And I can imagine when that snake bit him, they just started looking at him. They started looking at him. Oh, he's been to die. Mm-hmm. You know how people look at you, you get sick. Oh, he's about to go under right now. You know how people look at you, he, he, you, get, you get something bad happen to you. Oh, they're about to go under now. And people just looking at you, waiting for you to fall out, waiting for you to die. Wave, listen, they messed up. Listen, I know they shouldn't have did this, that, and the other. Waiting for you to mess up. Oh, I know that when they did this, it's all over with. They waited for you to go under. But then he just, no, but notice what Paul did. He just shook it off. He just shook it off. And sometimes you got to shake stuff off. You got to shake it off and get closer to the king of kings. Shake it off. Don't, mm, shake it off. And then he kept on going forward. He kept on teaching. He kept on. And, and, and in fact, they, they, got, they got so amazed because, listen, I don't know if they heard anything. When he, when that, he shook that thing off, they heard everything he said then. They might not believe in them, but they believed in when they shook it off. And some people are not going to believe you. That's why ministers are so important. You share your testimony as the Lord tells. Because they see something similar you're going through. They say, hey, you know what? They did it. I can do it too. Oh, hallelujah. Let me finish this up. Verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. There's no division. Let me say this to you. When we minister together, there's no division. No division. No division. We're one. And each one will receive his own reward. Boy, I tell you, when ministers do what they're supposed to do, you can look for a reward. You can look for pay that is giving as a result of your endeavors. Wow. And according to his labor. Yeah, it's gonna be some it's gonna be some work. When Paul and Apollos was working, it was work. But Paul let them know. And Paul's let them know, hey y'all, we gonna we bless y'all. Oh, we blessed. And I've noticed when ministers do what they're supposed to do, oh, they blessed. They are blessed. They can listen, they can get bit by the snake in the fire and shake it off and keep on going. Why? Because they blessed. They can pray, and, they, and then God will move on behalf of their prayer. Why? Because they have been through some stuff. They've been through some. See, Paul and Apollos had been through some things. They had dealt with some stuff. They had dealt with all types of things. And see, it did not stop the increase that comes from God, though. Ooh-wee. You know when God gets ready to bless you. You know what? Let me share this. Two more points on the bait before I close. Increase coming from God 
provides growth and calls your life to be better. See, when increase comes from God, hallelujah, he can maintain the growth or the increase he gives you. He can replace it if it needs to be replaced. He can see it through to the end. See, when man give it to you, he might say, oh, only give him so much. But when God give it to you, he says, more than enough. Remember when Peter and, and, and Peter and John was out there fishing, when after they, uh, the fishing, at, at, did that fishing deal, he went out there fishing, God told him to go fishing, at, after he finished teaching, he says, launch your net out into the deep for a catch. And they caught so many fish, they had to call their partner over there. And then it, it filled their boat up, it filled the partner's boat up, and they still had enough. It was about to sink the ship. They had more than enough. Now, man would have said, hey, just give them enough to fill up one boat and maybe enough to fill up somebody else's boat. But God will give you more than enough because that's who he is. That, listen, let me tell you something. God has no limit in what he can do. He is an unlimited resource. Man can cut off. They only got so much. I don't care how much they tell you the government got. They only got so much. God is unlimited. Unlimited. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He is unlimited in what he can do. He can heal your body even if they got no cure for it. He can bring you out even if they don't know a way to get out. He can heal your body even if they don't know. He can make you think straight, talk straight, and act straight. Why? Because he's God. There's nothing he can't do. That's why you want, you want God to increase you. You want God to increase you. Don't you love what Abraham said? Nobody made me rich but God. Ain't no man going to take credit for this right here. Ain't nobody going to take credit for this but God right here. That's why Christ-minded ministers are going to help you move forward. Because they want to get you to Jesus. Because they know that when you get to Jesus, you can look for the life to be better. Ooh, how many say better is here, better is coming? Ooh, Shandarabo Sunday. And Christ-minded ministers are committed. They're devoted and they're faithful to helping God's people and God's church move forward. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer request and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online, or you can utilize text to give text give to the number 770-692-2225 that's 770-692-2225 join us on our youtube channel subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on social media we also invite you to join us in a live service we're located at 3097 south van Wert road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.